I bet I'm the only husband here that forgets stuff like that, right? You want to talk the bad news? Then the good news. You know, sometimes people say, you want to hear the bad news first or the good news? And uh, sometimes you just don't know how to go to go day. But I like to end on the good, don't you? The bad's all right here, isn't it? So we turn to Psalm 64. 64 is an interesting number. It's a nice square figure. If you're a mathematician, or the Heath and I like to talk about mathematical things sometimes. 64 is 2 to the 6th power, and it's 4 to the 3rd and 8 to the 2nd. If you say, well, I don't want to think about that much. Think of a checkerboard. Think of a chessboard. And with just 64 squares, think of all the different combinations you can have going on. With your men and your kings and checkers. And with... Eight pawns, two rooks, two bishops, two knights, a queen, and a king, and chess. What going on? Let's read these ten verses. <clears throat> Watch for the word suddenly. It means immediately, unexpectedly. All right? Hear my voice, O God, in my prayer. Preserve my life from fear of the enemy. Hide me from the secret counsel of the wicked, from the insurrection of the workers of iniquity who wet their tongue like a sword and bend their bows to shoot their arrows, even bitter words. That they may shoot in secret at the perfect, suddenly do they shoot at him and fear not. They encourage themselves in an evil manner. They commit a lame snares privily. They say, who shall see them? They search out iniquities. They accomplish a diligent search. Both the inward thought of every one of them and the heart is deep. Hmm. But God shall shoot at them with an arrow. Suddenly shall they be wounded. So they shall make their own tongue to fall upon themselves. All that see them shall flee away. And all men shall fear and shall declare the work of God, for they shall wisely consider of his doings. He sort of repeated this morning. Wisely consider. The righteous shall be glad in the Lord, and shall trust in him, and all the upright in heart shall glory. There are some themes that just seem to keep coming up in the Word of God. I don't think God is become idle-minded, but I, I'm pretty sure we need some reminders. 
sort of think that God says something more than once, just to make sure we're listening, we're meditating, we're ruminating. For example, back in Psalm 31, what we just read echoes some of this thought. Psalm 31, verses 13 through 15. For I've heard the slander of many, fear was on every side. While they took counsel together against me, they devised to take away my life. Sounds like bad news. But I trusted in thee, O Lord. I said, Thou art my God. My times are in thy hand. Deliver me from the hand of my enemies and from them that persecute me. Started out with some bad news. Ended with some good news. And it wasn't long ago. Here in Psalm 56. Verses 2 through 4. Starts with bad. Ends with good news. My enemies would daily swallow me up. They be many that fight against me. O thou most high, what time I am afraid, I will trust in thee. That's a good verse to remember for kindergartners and big folks. In God I will praise his word. In God I have put my trust. I will not fear what flesh can do unto me. Easy words to say. Not so easy words to put into practice. <clears throat> you see, when all is said and done, usually more is said than done. The fact there is, when all is said and done, your real hope, your real confidence is in the Lord. You might have friends and family and fortune and all kinds of familiar things that you're just counting on coming through for you. Yes. And it can slip through your fingers like sand. That's why David, great guy, this guy, David, man of well heart, the Lord called him. Did he mess up? Of course he did. But they had a pretty good track record, all in all. And when he contemplated the Lord, perhaps the most famous of all the Psalms, he says, the Lord is my shepherd. And because of that, he said, I shall not want. You're not going to come up short blaming on the Lord. Because the Lord is the one who the Lord willing will get to a psalm that says he daily loadeth us with benefits. You got good in your life? Good thoughts? Precious memories? Good dealings? Deeds? Whatever? Anything good, truly good, comes from God. Never forget that. We ought to ask God to preserve our life from fear of the enemy. Fear can paralyze you. 
fear of man brings a snare, David's son Solomon says. You're afraid of what people might think, what they might say, how they might snub you, or whatever. And how many times in the scripture we reminded, I don't really care. I'm not going to worry about what people are going to say. They might be like Shimei. Cook something up. They're crazy as a loon, but they have something to say. They want to be heard. I hope it helps to be reminded that it's real easy to have a knee-jerk reaction. We need to be thoughtful. We had a president in dark times in the last century who came on the radio, fairly new phenomenon at that time, and people were afraid of this. They were afraid of that. And I don't know who his speechwriter was that said this. Maybe he came up with it on his own. The old FDR came on and famously said, we have nothing to fear, but fear itself. And of course, the scriptures give us very comforting words. <clears throat> Isaiah 26.3 says, Thou will keep him in perfect peace who's full of himself. No, no, it doesn't say that. Thou will keep him in perfect peace who's got money in the bank and a good report from his doctor. No, it doesn't say that either. Thou will keep him in perfect peace you know how the rest of the verse goes? Whose mind stayed on me because he trusteth in thee. Get your mind where it ought to be, child of God. I'm talking to me as well as to you. And David's son Solomon wrote in the third of Proverbs, verse 25. Be not afraid of sudden fear. Isn't that something? People are afraid that they might be afraid. I just might choke up. I just might this, might do that. Well, when we look at this psalm, I'm reminded of two major thoughts. If you don't mind, I won't go all the way to the top of the hour. Hope. Nobody will object to that too, too much. But the fact is that there are evil men have their secret counsel, literally their conspiracies. If somebody said, hey, did you hear? Somebody's got it in for you, buddy. they got a mark against you. They're going to get you. You better watch your back. Guess what? I meant it when I referenced Winston Churchill. If you've got enemies, that's part of life if you're really doing something. That's true. We ask to be hidden from them. That's what we read in verse 2. Hide me from the secret counsel of the wicked. I'm not talking about when they launch their broadsides right at you. I'm talking about what they're sneaking around. What they're saying on the slide. 
from the insurrection of the workers of iniquity. There are many scriptures along those lines. You've got to know that if, if you're living for the Lord, you're going to have some enemies. People, oh, I know the devil and all the demons, the whole host of hell. They're against me. That's right. But they ain't the only ones. You have a word. Now, there is a devil. Please don't get me wrong. But even if there weren't a devil, we are surrounded by influences on every side trying to get us to conform. Conform. Growing up in the 60s on the left coast, I heard an awful lot of, I'm not a conformist. I'm not going to buy into the establishment. And you know what? People like that, if they don't really have their head together, they just conform to what somebody else would tell you. They'll think the way somebody else would. That's probably why the Spirit had Paul to say in the 12th of Romans, be not conformed to this world. One man written don't let this world squeeze you into its mold, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. It's important that we have the right mind. You need to be hidden from these the mind of these scoundrels. Three and four tell us that they busy themselves in wickedness. That's what keeps them up at night. Scheming. Plotting. Thinking, how can I make that goody-goody over there? How can I tear him down? <coughs> By the way, there is the devil. Absolutely. There is the world. But folks, never forget that your worst enemy ain't the devil. It ain't the composite pressures of the world. You want to get a good look at him or her? Look in the mirror. The flesh. The old man. The sin nature. The thing that just rebels against God. Well, preacher, I, I, I'm saved. I don't have that. Really? Read your mind. Paul had it. Romans 7. Wretched man that I am. Who shall deliver me from this body of death? We've got a lot of stuff going on, dogging us. And uh, these things, all these influences, they work together in wickedness. Now again, there's a lot of scripture for that. You want to ask me afterward, I'll be glad to give them to you, but they're in there. And you know what they do? It says in verse 3, they wet their tongue like a sword and bang their bows. They shoot their arrows. Even bitter words. They got something nasty to say. They're going to cut you off at the knees, my friend. They're going to make you feel knee high or pant or something that they may shoot in secret at the perfect. 
gonna give you a chance to prepare. Like, okay, get ready. I'm about to fire my arrows at you. No. You sneak around, you scoundrels. Even bitter words. These bitter words have a way of launching out. Solomon's talking about that in the 25th of Proverbs. And verse still getting used to these bifocals, so you be patient with me. 25 and verse 18. A man that beareth false witness against his neighbor is a maul. You know what a maul is? Looks like a big hammer, but the head is usually, instead of being flat, it's got kind of like those things you <laughs> tenderized meat. He doesn't mean to play patty cake with you. A man that bear false witness against his neighbor is a maul and a sword and a sharp arrow. He wants to make sure you get that point. And what about that secret counsel? I can't get far from Psalm 10.4 where it tells about the wicked. God is not in all his thoughts. Marcia knows of whom I think, a husband of a very godly lady in Memphis, who you can talk about the weather, you talk all day, be your best friend. You can talk about sports, you can talk about politics, just about anything. But you talked about the Lord, and he clam up. Didn't want to talk about that so Oh, every once in a while, somebody might make a reference to the good book, and he might kind of, yeah, I guess that's right. The fact of the matter is, people who aren't spiritually minded, they're just not crazy it's about talking about the Lord. So if you're going to have a conversation with somebody about spiritual things, take the initiative. Press to make a point. Say something. Say something honoring to God. Because the world wants you to just shut up. Bottom line. God is not in all his thoughts. That convicts me. God ought to be in all my thoughts. Before I think that thought, before I take that position, before I say that word, before I go to that place, before I do that thing, what would Jesus do? Am I really walking in his steps? Hmm. That'll probably arrest a lot of things that you <coughs> would have done. Don't be like the fellows that was. Seemed like a good idea at the time. See this knee-jerk thing? It, it gets to me too. It's real easy to say something and then you live to regret it. We were in a church meeting once. And there was a preacher. And he got targeted. And somebody said something nasty. And he said something nasty back. Which really, I mean, we're all sinners. Any of us could say it. But none of us should say it. And he said that thing and precious few people there were still 
sympathetic because they didn't like to be told to go jump in a certain lake. It wasn't too cool which to jump. Yeah, he said that in church. You're not smart enough to figure that out. I'll tell you later if you really need to be told. But the fact of the matter is that all their thoughts end in planning and justifying their wickedness. Hmm. Yep, they think they're safe thinking that way. Just like I'm sure, sure that Shimei justified his rage against David. In uh, Psalm 35, verse 20, For they speak not peace, but they devise deceitful matters against them that are quiet in the land. They pick on the good guys. The peacemakers, the people who want to get along. That might be one of the reasons why the Spirit had Paul to say, as much as lieth within you, live peaceably with all men. Sometimes you just can't make any headway with somebody. Sometimes it's just best to be quiet. Another man came to me once and he was hot under the collar about something and uh, he wanted me to do something I had no intention of doing. And I, was just, I was just wasn't comfortable. I, I kept telling him, I'd rather not, I'd rather not, I'd rather not. And the Lord gave me the grace to keep calm, but he got louder and louder and louder. And finally he stopped and I said, I, I think we need to talk about this later. What do you mean? Well, Proverbs says, make no friendship with an angry man. I'm not angry! I'll talk to you later. You know, there's wisdom. Somebody said, a soft answer turns away wrath. Who was that? Somebody pretty sharp. Well, Shlomo, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Evil men have their secret counsel. Oh, I'm worried. Oh, people dang it upon me. They've got all the time in the world. They'll think about this and think about that and target me. Oh, it's me. It says a chicken. But the righteous doesn't say they're bold as a chicken. It says they're bold as a lion. Why? Because look who we have on our side. More important, on whose side are we? It is the Lord's. Look at verse 7. Ah, they're going to shoot their arrows. They're going to have their plots and their schemes. But God. How many times the whole tenor of what's going on turned around? By those two words. But God, what's God going to do about it? Something, but God shall shoot at them with an arrow. Suddenly, shall they be wounded? Hmm. The reality is, we can't.
can't always rise to the occasion. We can't always have just the right thing to say. We don't even always think the right thought. We certainly don't always do the right thing. <laughs> but God's no slouch. He's got it together. He knew they were going to say it. He's fully prepared. If we would but ask him, many times we just consult his word, we'll find the answer is there already. Two thoughts along that line. I want you to know that everything changes when God shoots his arrow. I'm not talking about something that they have in an archery place. I know it's a lot of places that have indoor archery. At least that way we hope no arrows come flying out the door or through a window. But people train with bow and arrow. But I think sometimes it doesn't occur as a God is an archer. There's a lot of scripture along that line. We've seen some of the Psalms already. And the Lord gives grace and strength. We'll, we'll see some more. But something you might not have thought about. While it's true that God targets our enemies. Did you know He has some arrows for us? Ouch! That's right. Sometimes we're His target. Back up to what is probably the oldest book in your Bible, the book of Job, chapter 6. Job is talking here. Job 6 and verse 4. For the arrows of the Almighty are within me. The poison whereof drinketh up my spirit. The terrors of God do set themselves in array against me. God has arrows. Sure enough does. You're going to get the point. And the Lord hits you with one of his arrows. 38th Psalm, the first two verses. O Lord, rebuke me not in my wrath, neither chasten me in my hot displeasure. Well, preacher, you said something about arrows. I sure did. I said to read one and two. For thy arrows stick fast in me. And thy hand presently sore. God ever get you? God ever get you? Get your attention? We have a long prophetic book called Jeremiah. And right before the next long prophetic book, which is Ezekiel, we have a book called Lamentations. And I want you to see a couple of verses in Lamentations. We call Jeremiah the weeping prophet. He had a lot to cry about. Israel, what's your problem? You're talking about that in Sunday school, how the Lord has made a vineyard. And look at all that He's done about it. We, again, see how Sunday school does All that stuff that God says about what He had done in uh, preparing this wonderful vineyard and yet, wild grapes. You know, God put Adam and Eve in paradise. And it didn't end up paradise. Now, did it? It was a mess. 
Man is the one who has a garden and turns it into trouble and gets run out. Lamentations chapter 2 and verse 4. It's this is talking about the Lord here. He hath bent his bow like an enemy. He stood with his right hand as an adversary and slew all that were pleasant to the eye in the tabernacle of the daughter of Zion. He poured out his fury like fire. You think God ever gets angry at us? Read your Bible. And then in Lamentations 3, again, speaking of the Lord, verses 12 and 13, He hath bent his bow and set me as a mark for the arrow. I'm the target! God's not shooting at mean guy over there, or mean gal over there. He's looking at me! Hmm. He hath caused the arrows of his quiver to enter into my reins. Ouch. That's a different spelling, but it gets me nonetheless. So what do we see in this song? Well, as I said, we're talking about verse 7. God shall shoot at them with an arrow. Suddenly shall they be wounded. You know, there's a warning in God's word. God doesn't say, I'm capricious. I just jump at you whenever I feel like it. I'm in a bad mood today. No, that's not God talking. He doesn't get moods. He is long-suffering, and I'm so glad he is, and I hope you are too. Because we mess up. We stray. We drift. We get, not necessarily in the range of cold. You say, well, I'm not hot, but at least I'm not cold. I'm just floating along in the middle, la-dee-da. You know, Luke's a great first name. Provided warm isn't your middle name. You don't want to be Luke Warm. In Psalm 50 and verse 22. Now consider this, ye that forget God. Oh, what's God got to say about it? You better know what God has to say about it. Consider this, ye that forget God, lest I tear you in pieces and there be none to deliver. If God went after you like a junkyard dog, what are you going to do? Who's going to help you? We need to think about that. There's a warning. And what does he say? Suddenly. Suddenly. It happens suddenly. It comes without a remedy. For example, David's son Solomon. He says, three verses I want you to look at real quick. In the sixth of Proverbs, in verse 10, yet a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep. So shall thy poverty come as one that traveleth and thy want to an armed man. It's talking about unexpected. We find that. And then drop down to uh, verse 15. Therefore shall his calamity come suddenly. Where'd that come from? I didn't see that coming. Sure enough. God's no slouch. He'll get you. Maybe when you think, 
Well, I'll let it slide. God's forgotten. No, no, don't think that way. That's not right at all. Therefore shall his calamity come suddenly. Suddenly shall he be broken. Oh, and it also says, without remedy. Hmm. And I told you three here in Proverbs, chapter 29, verse 1. There are people who get warned and warned and warned and warned, and they say, yeah, right. Nothing's happened to me today. The statistician says, according to the actuarial tables, so many people die at your age. Well, guess what? The odds are I won't die today. The odds are I won't get hit by a truck today. The odds are I won't be struck by lightning today. Sure. But tell that to the person in the morgue. Those things do happen to them. Sooner or later. God is no slouch. Read this verse. Take it seriously. He that be off reproved, hardened his, his neck. I don't care what you say, preacher, Sunday school teacher, Christian worker, I don't care. I just block you out. I'm not listening. <laughs> you can't tell me a thing. You can take that attitude to your own room. He that being often reproved, hard as neck, shall suddenly be destroyed. Well, it won't be too bad, will it? And that without remedy. Hmm. So, we go back to the psalm to close. Told you. Verse 8, So they shall make their own tongue to fall upon themselves. We've seen this many times already, and you'll keep reading it if you keep reading the Word of God with an open eye and open mind, open heart. Things have a way of boomeranging. You do this, and this happens. Number says, be sure your sin will find you out. James 1 says, sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth Time. Complications. Embarrassment. Why do you keep shaking your head now? Death. Death. Oh, it can't be that serious. God wasn't fooling around when he said that, folks. So the schemes of wicked men can boomerang. They think they got it all figured out. And in your flesh, in your heart, in the natural man, you may think you've got it all figured out. Look at it. Look at verse 9. And all men shall fear and shall declare the work of God, for they shall wisely consider of his doing. God doesn't get in a hurry. He doesn't have to play catch-up. I looked at my... Uh, email messages. Oh man, I'm behind on this. God doesn't get behind. He didn't have to play catch up. His angels, it's overtime tonight because I got a lot of stuff to do. I, 
I got to get caught up with what's going on in this world. That's not the God of this book talking. He doesn't get in a hurry. He doesn't have mood swings. These things that afflict us, that's not God. That's not God. And what's it say in the last verse? The godly will be victorious. They will be vindicated. The righteous shall be glad in the Lord and shall trust in Him. And all the upright in heart shall glory. <clears throat> We've talked about Romans 8 this day. And yes, when Paul was writing to the Romans, they were in the heart of the people that control more folks, more land, over more years than any other civilization in human history. If anybody dominated the world that they knew, it was the Romans. These folks were right in the middle of it. They moved into area A, and suddenly, now they control A, the neighbors in B, they're the new enemy. Always expanding. Always controlling. Always shoring up. They were the mighty conquerors. It's just a matter of time. We put enough men, enough military might, enough money, we can get the job done. The great conquerors. They made the boasts. They conquered more than Alexander ever did. It's ironic that Julius Caesar when he saw a statue of Alexander the Great, he wept. And he said, when he was the age I am now, he conquered the world. He shames me. And yet before Alan, before Caesar died, he had controlled more. And they were just getting started, folks. You could go from Scotland to Syria on one passport because Rome controlled the whole enchilada. They had all the land around the Mediterranean such that they referred the whole Mediterranean Sea as the Latin Lake. Yeah. They had it. They had it together. And yet, in that eighth of Romans, Paul says, yeah, 37th verse, he says, we're, we're like sheep of the slaughter. That's the bad news. But the good news, we are more than conquerors through Him that loved us. In and of ourselves, we studied about that Sunday school too. John 15. Jesus, I am the vine, you are the branches. And he says, without me, He can do nothing. A lot of Christians want to quote Philippians. I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. Absolutely. Through Christ, you can do all things. But how about without Christ? This much. That's how much more I'm going to say in my message. Let's take a few minutes and we'll have our business meeting.